And it looks like we're good to go here, fellas. All right. Uh, hello and good evening, everyone. Welcome to tonight's episode of the Xbox Roundtable Podcast. This is episode number 199. Damn, getting pretty close to that magical uh, 200 number there. Whew, we got to celebrate, fellas. Uh, TXR is the place for Xbox talk on Sunday evenings and so much more from around the game industry. Naturally, I'm your host, Invader, and I'm really looking forward to dive into tonight's topics. The second flight for Halo Infinite testing is live, and everyone on the show seems to have gone in this time around. We'll give our thoughts on it. Also, there was a surprise announcement from the initiative stating that Crystal Dynamic will be helping out with Perfect Dark. What's our reaction to this? Well, we will dive into all that and much, much more. However, first, let me introduce our panel for the evening, and joining us tonight is a new face. He's uh, a big part of the community in general, big-time gamer, a lover of all things Mass Effect, Halo, and the like. Please welcome with us Crusader. How are you doing tonight, bud? Doing pretty good, Invader. Doing pretty good. All right. Glad to hear that. Glad to hear that. Uh, I'm sure you'll have uh, quite a few thoughts on uh, the topics this evening. We look forward to uh, picking your brain on all things Halo and more. Uh, let's see here. Uh, moving over to the TXR crew. Uh, Tim Dog, how you doing, brother? Good. Happy to be here. Happy uh, we got a nice panel. Crusader, thanks for coming down. Got a lot to talk about. We have uh, a bunch of things that we can uh, go over, so it's going to be a good show. Agreed, Timmy, agreed. All right, moving on over here. Centurion, the ultimate Halo Slayer. How you doing? <laughs> What's up? It is Sunday night. It is time to talk games and to have some fun, man. Got Halo running through my mind after today's beta. I finally got in. Finally got in, and after, see, I was not able to do Friday because I had to work. Saturday I had to work, so Sunday come hell or high water, I had to play this and then, of course, you joined, so it got even better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Uh, me and Centurion uh, battled it out a few hours earlier. Uh, MLD and I actually a few uh, days before. Yeah, it seems like everybody in the panel got in. And, uh, I mean, we will be uh, getting into it uh, right off the bat. But, uh, man, oh, man, just so much fun. Uh, MLD buddy, great to see you. Ready for another excellent show? Oh yes, uh, good to be here. Been playing Halo almost all weekend. Absolutely love it, but of course we'll save that for uh, later in the show. But yeah, great panel, great to be here. Mm -hmm. Naturally, naturally. And of course before we start off here, uh, just to let you know, Shockley's running a little bit behind. He should be joining us soon, uh, fingers crossed. And also, reminder, fellas, that we are available on a wide range of different podcasting platforms, audio platforms, that is. We're on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and a bunch of other major platforms. Definitely check us out if, uh, you know, you're uh, more mobile and have to go somewhere. And, you know, maybe YouTube and whatnot isn't the best place to listen, but you can find us on those platforms. And as I see the uh, chat is filling in here... Uh, Hey guys, how you doing? Thank you for joining us tonight. It's always appreciated. 
Let's get into the topics, fellas. Let's start out by talking about the latest Halo Infinite flight test. Over the weekend, Insiders got a chance to try out the Academy 4v4 against uh, other players and, of course, bots. There's some new weapons, maps, and even some vehicles to try out. Lots of mayhem to be had. I've had time with it along with, well, again, it seems like all the panel members. Uh, Crusader, buddy, I will start off with you. Uh, were you in the test flight? And if so, uh, what do you think about it? Yes, I was in this test flight and in the uh, previous one, what, like a month and a half back. Um, I want to start this off with, I absolutely loved it. It was like some of the most fun I've ever had in like Halo in general. Um, uh, I have a little, I have a few things about like the balance. You know, I, I think the BR is a little bit underpowered. I think that maybe the rocket launcher shouldn't be on Bazaar, but the maps in general are absolutely fantastic and they're, they're gorgeous. Like stunningly gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, like these maps, I, I gotta tell you, I, I just find them really well done, beautiful in their own way. Uh, I've been playing this uh, test flight nonstop since I got in. Like bizarre, I got gameplay going up right now. Bizarre, and I, I really like how the uh, just how all these different maps work out. Bizarre recharges. It's pretty decent. I'm really liking Behemoth that just came out today. Centurion and I were playing a few matches on it. And I don't know. It just it kind of brings me back to like the old like Halo 3 kind of big team uh, battle kind of feelings. Even though it's it's not so much a big team map. But it, I don't know. It's, it's, on, it's sort of on the big side. Like mid-size. And it just it plays phenomenal. Like I just know word of a lie. Lots and lots of fun. I can see that being a fan favorite map for sure. Um, the big thing about Behemoth that I really liked, and it was it actually solved a concern of mine, was that there are actual multiple power weapon spawns on it, more than just one. That was one concern with the three previous maps, was that they only had, like, one power weapon. They had the, the power, like, overshields and stuff, but th there was there's more than one place you have to contest on the map if you want full control. Mm-hmm, totally. And, again, we get to try out uh, all... Like, all these new weapons. Uh, are there any weapons that really stuck out to you uh, so far during the test flights? Um, so, this is going to sound lame, but I love that the AR is actually fantastic. Um, <laughs> it, it, it's rare in Halo that the AR feels this good to use, and I, I do absolutely love it. All right. All right, that's fair. That's fair. I mean, I enjoyed it, too. I mean, uh, I think I've heard some different reactions about it. Uh, what do you think about the uh, the sidekick pistol? I've heard a lot about it. Um, I think that in comparison to the battle rifle, it might be a little too strong, but I don't think that it's the the sidekick's fault. I think it's more that the the battle rifle has way too high of a, a kill time, takes way too many bullets to actually kill someone, even at like its intended range. Then uh, you're just better off using almost anything else. Um, you know. Uh, I think that it either has too fast, the sidekick might have a little bit too quick of a fire rate, maybe maybe too much range, but again, I think that this is, the sandbox needs to just evolve a little bit through the feedback from, from these flights. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a fair comment, fair comment. Uh, what about you guys on the panel? Uh, Centurion, again, we had some time today, I know you've been playing through it the last couple of days, what are your thoughts on it? 
My thoughts are I am getting those vibes from back in the Halo 3 days. I mean, the game, to me, I'm enjoying it. It's snappy. It's quick. Um, it definitely has those Halo vibes that I love of just running around aggressively, getting in people's faces, backing them into a corner, and then just decking them into the jaw to the floor. Um Good old times playing Halo. What can I say? I enjoy leaping off of buildings and sticking grenades to people, just mowing them down, getting them from behind. Those were the, I mean, I was never a big fan of the Gears 5 I'm a multiplayer. I'll be truthful on that. I couldn't ever get the idea of wall bouncing and just running around constantly with a shotgun. For me with Halo, I just love the variety. You have people running around with rocket launchers, plasma pistols, whatever they can get their hands on, the gravity hammer. Um, I had an absolute blast. I mean, just I haven't had, at least in my opinion, I haven't had that much pl fun playing a Halo game actually since Halo 3. And I've been, I've played Halo 4. I've played a little bit of the ha multiplayer on Halo 5 and in the Master Chief collection. But I'll be honest, I really have those vibes that I got when I was like way younger, just ready to play some Halo 3 on the Xbox 360. Mm hmm. Yeah. Like, again, I got to give credit where it's due. 343 have, uh, again, this is just a test flight, but they've done a really excellent job with uh, the performance from the weapons. The maps seem extreme, extremely more you know, interesting and well thought out. Again, like even just going back to some of the new weapons, the pulse carbine, it's like they seem to be addressing uh, certain areas of the sandbox, like adding in weapons that, again, are, like, where uh, there wasn't really much in, like, certain weapon ranges beforehand. The pulse the pulse, the pulse carbine pulse is very carbine interesting. Is very interesting. You, look you look at the heat wave. Oh, there's a bit of an oh, echo. Of an echo. Uh, not sure whose end, sure who's end that's at. Uh, I'm on. Yeah, sorry. I just, I just hear myself talking in the background. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, the heat wave. The heat wave, the uh, Promethean weapon where the shots bounce off the walls. I really, really like that weapon that you can... Uh, again, it's more precise. You can like uh, do more with it, just like bounce it off the walls. Just very cool overall. The I, I liked how they were really also open... Because, like, a lot of betas, I'll be up front. I've played some betas where it's very rudimentary. All the features are grayed out. Everything is shut down. They're allowing you into the store. They're letting you see what things would look like in the store. They even give you the currency for the store so you can go in there and even grab cosmetic items to kind of see what that whole experience is like. I It was actually the first time I've ever seen um, a game actually let you see the store in beta mm -hmm. yeah that's true yeah. Uh, like i'll admit like yeah you're right centurion it is kind of cool to like test out the battle pass and how that works because there's going to be a lot of questions at launch you know how that's oh, going to work out right but like we were talking about what you mentioned was the the menu system using that battle pass mm -hmm. and kind of i hope they like we both agreed that we do hope that they've create a much more fluid system because i even think well, i think the word we chose was like kind of clunky because mm -hmm. i actually had to search around because when you get the xp boosts 
you have to like search around and and then finally I found out how to do it. You go into the battle pass and the only way is you look down in the corner of the screen and it says hit Y to you uh, to go into consumables. And that was the only place I could find the consumables marker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even just uh, like going to your Spartan and switching out the different, you know, just the different customization aspects to it, I found was a little more like maybe intrusive and like you were saying, a little more uh, clunkier than I would have liked. I kind of preferred how previous Halos handled the customization better. Again, guys, there's a couple of months to until the game launches, so maybe they can uh, smooth that out more. I would like to see that. But otherwise, I mean, the game itself is... I, I am having just too much fun even playing around with these new abilities. Again, I, I in the chat, they're talking about the grapple shot. Uh, I Yeah, I've been swinging around a bit, guys. Actually, to be honest, I, I, like, I need to get more acquainted with some of these new abilities because I'm just focused. There's so much other stuff to focus on. All this, like, whether it be the new terrain, like the maps or the new weapons... You know, just to get acclimatized to all the new stuff that's added to Halo. So I, I, I definitely got to play more around with, like, the grapple shot and whatnot. But there's a lot of different... Um, there's more to do. There's more options to do on the battlefield, to say the least. Uh, Tim Buddy, have you had a chance to uh, dabble in the Insider? No, I, I actually had... Um, I had forgot to... I had signed up. But I didn't verify my email, um, and I only did that after the 13th. So I, I didn't make it. Uh, but what I could say is I've been, follow, I've been following it actively uh, through the community and through forums, and um, it's pretty safe to say that it's been an absolute hit in the community. Um, a lot of people are saying really good things about it. Um, one of the things that... Uh, I've seen that I thought it was really cool was the grapple. I saw the Spider-Man where he was playing it. Like he looked like he was Spider-Man. He was flying around the map um, with the grapple. Um, also, you can block rockets. Uh, you can, uh, there's like this, uh, uh, there's some type of mechanism. Oh, the that, repulsor, uh, yeah. Yeah, the repulsor, um, which is really cool. Uh, and listen, and, you know, the screenshots of the textures and everything uh, about the game is uh, the graphics look amazing. Uh, the It looks like the stability, it looks like 100, almost, I heard almost locked 120 frames per second, and that's from a 1440p reconstruction up to 4K. Uh, 4K 60s, flawless. Uh, you know, as Series S is doing well, I heard even the Xbox One versions are, much better uh you know i'm looking for a digital foundry to do their their face of their uh, analysis i mean they were quick to do it on the first one and let's be honest the first one everyone was really pleased with the graphics and everything but this one came out and it's more improved and with a two months and whatever two weeks to go uh it that bodes well for just overall the game i, I honestly feel that when they show the campaign we're going to be very impressed uh i think they're going to show it with ray tracing and, and ready to go i uh, just wait i just like i said uh, when we talked about that uh when they showed it off at uh uh um not not e3 the other one uh, the, whatever that show is called the gamescom? yeah gamescom uh that they were holding it off to to show it off at its last possible moment 
and you could see the time, even the time between two weeks of this flight. There's the graphics are getting better and better. Uh, I think the Xbox is a huge hit on their hands. I think that they're hitting the market. This game is hitting the market at the right time. I think you can cut into uh, the users that Call of Duty usually gets. And I think this game is going to be super-duper popular. Like, we always thought Halo was always popular, but I think that it can really get back to return to its form. Um, and just very happy for 343. A lot of people, you know, had a lot to say about 343. Fire this person, get rid of this, they suck. They're really showing how talented of a studio they are. People are having more fun with this flight than they are with releases of games i mean it's it's crazy and it's all over the internet and i can't wait to get to try it myself i've actively been been following reading comments people have complaints about the radar people have complaints about certain things pc performance seems to have gotten a lot better but it's still not there um uh, a lot of people are, are still getting locked out because of uh their their setups and stuff like that. They're looking into the, all that stuff and they're fixing it. But I have to say, uh, Return of the King is looking like it's coming back, and uh, I'm just very happy overall about the impressions and the way this is going. And I can tell you that uh, Xbox brass and and the people you know that that have been you know it's been a tough time for them. They're very happy right now and. You know, you gotta, you gotta be, you, you gotta really feel the the momentum here, and be happy for for three four three and just Xbox in general. I think that uh, this is gonna this is gonna own own December, own the holiday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's amazing the turnaround, eh, Tim, with uh, the whole graphics debate because people are just constantly posting uh, pictures of the textures, like even just like pictures of like the walls and the ground of like pictures of mud and grass. And people are just like mesmerized of the environment because 343 have done such a good job with the presentation and the graphics of the game. It just, it really blows your mind considering where we came from back at the original uh, reveal. And now, you know, what are the haters going to say, right? Nothing because the game looks fantastic. But again like yeah i mean yeah go ahead at the end of the day uh you know uh the haters and, and people are getting mad at people because they're looking at textures and they're trying to make fun of them and then they're getting owned because they they showed that they previously had had uh you know had had complimented textures and showed screenshots of it uh the attention to detail and and really the texture work that you've seen on the internet and some of the pictures and stills are really impressive, man. I like, I just don't understand how this, you know, I guess it's just the, you know, I don't think a lot of people understand how a developmental process is. And and I think we all draw a lot of conclusions and, and I think that we really, it must be frustrating for developers because we act like we know so much, but we know very little and I think this is a case where it's really beginning to show how time, developmental, uh, how time and the de- 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 development come hand in hand. And the more time you give a talented dev, and the more time you could bake in an oven a game, the more the the, the better it is. You know what I mean? And 
you know, I just, it's just awesome. It's just, it's great to see. And, and uh, I can't wait to see the campaign. That's the real thing for me personally. I mean, I, I like the multiplayer. I stink at it, but the campaign is where it's at for me. And, and I do think that after a lot of time thinking that they wouldn't hit it, I do think that they're going to show something that's going to really impress us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah, I gotta say, like I've been loving my time with the the game, Tim. But uh, I know what was it uh, the time that me and uh, General MLD were playing a couple of nights ago? We we threw together like four or five games, and I think uh, it was kind of rough for like the first three games because there was so many, like there was just so many people that were much better at the game already but uh, yeah we held our own there towards the end uh mld buddy speaking of which uh you know how how, how have you been enjoying your time with the game what are your thoughts uh, with this flight well i'd say the highlight for me is the movement like I, I i knew that they would it would be it would be uh was it a nice mix of old and new but it once you really play it you really see just how good it really is like Halo 5 was really fun for me, but it has a very high skill ceiling. You got people zipping around way too quickly, but this is like, it's a nice mix between Halo 3 and, and that. And it just felt right because I'm an OG fan, but I also like the sprint and this just felt right. And even the new weapons. I like, I like the Bulldog. The Bulldog is so much fun. It's like a little tweaked from the shotgun, but it's just, it's this, the differences are there, but it's just so much fun. It packs a punch. It's a beast. Let's see. The, 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 I like that they're making uh, the Banished have their own actual like gun, guns now rather than just the mm. Brute Shot and the Mauler. They got their own actual faction, their own actual armory now. And just the map design is great. It's back to that symmetrical arena style, power weapon control, teamwork style of game. I'm really liking the the bots with the training modes as well. It would be, be good for all the new players coming in because it's free to play and all that. And even like the practical uses of the bots, like filling up matches when when you have quitters, because you know we I think we've all been there. We're playing Halo matches, and you got a quitter, and all of a sudden it's what one versus four, or two versus four. Or this way, at least you feel like you got a chance. At least it feels like you got a full team still. But um, just I'm I'm a campaign guy myself. But as soon as I finish that campaign, I'm going right back into the multiplayer. But so far, so good. The graphics are really improved. It's amazing what a year of polish can do. Like clearly, they listen to the complaints. Like the textures, we've we've all seen the screenshots. The textures are much better. Uh, the foliage is reactionary. Even like yeah, in places you wouldn't even expect it to be. Uh, it's just I'm really blown away. Like it really like it was said before here. It, it captures the magic of when I was playing Halo Three for the first time. Like it's something that Halo Four and Five, while fun, it didn't quite capture that same feeling. So. Um, I'm blown away. I can't wait. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, again, like it just it feels really good. You're. T- I feel exactly the same way you do about the the movement speed. It's just it just feels right, uh, especially mixed in with the abilities that they have there. Um, and again, like as much as like I love the the gameplay itself, but a lot of these maps I just want to like take a look at even like and just like look at the vistas like the map that the gameplay that uh, we're on uh with the gameplay right now behemoth i just i want to like just pause the game and just look at like the landscape because they 
the environmental artists, whoever they are, they did a really good job with this map. And I'm just, uh, again, I'm blown away by what they've done with the art style, going back to, like, again, some of the more, like, traditional Bungie-esque the design. And it just, uh, everything just works really well. I'm just... I, I just have a giant smile on my face as I'm playing this, and I just I couldn't be more happy right now. I want more. I want more. Like, this is the most excited I've been for Halo in a while. Um, let's see here. Oh, Shockley, buddy. There you are. Uh, how are you doing, bud? Uh, pretty good. Uh, yeah, I just am playing it right now. I just wanted to get some in. Just, I tried to do some of the training. I just haven't mm. had uh, time to get on. Or I would try to get on, but they had those certain time slots when you could play, so that kind of made it difficult. But uh, it it feels better smooth. I, I haven't played Halo in a minute, um, but I mean, it feels freaking great. I <laughs> just got a first couple kills here, but uh, yeah, it's and in all the videos I've seen are super impressive. Just the I think I don't know if any of you saw the capture the flag one where he kept. I guess uh, with capture flag, if if I'm not. Uh, and correct here, you have to, you can't run at like full speed, right? Like how you uh, could you, in the past. You um, you walk Ooh. at regular walking speed. You can't sprint. Are, are you talking about the clip with the grapple shot? Ooh, double kill. Oh, okay, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> You're talking about that that clip with the grapple shot where he grapple shot. Yeah. The flag. Yeah. Because like, because you can't run at full speed, right? When you have the flag, is that right? You you, you can you walk at slightly slower than regular movement speed. Oh, okay, um, so that's what he was kind of circumventing as he was like yes. launching the flag. Yeah, he was flag juggling, so he's picking up and uh, dropping the flag to throw it forward, and then when he got to the center point in the map, he runs across the map and uh, shoots the flag with the grapple shot to pull it to him across the map. Yeah, that shit was ridiculous. But stuff like that, just like seeing creative, ridiculous stuff like that is pretty sick. Uh, but yeah, I've been having a blast. And so far, I mean, I'm not like, I barely played, if at all, Halo 5's like multiplayer. Um, played a lot of 4, but uh, having a blast right now. Got a couple of double kills here, so I didn't expect to do that. Figured I was going to get uh washed and yeah i didn't choose the bot so I just make sure it wasn't playing against the computer uh but but yeah main thing always stay with your team like if you're joining in halo after a while do not run alone <laughs> that's what's gonna not have uh you're not gonna have a good time <laughs> mm -hmm. um but yeah it definitely i'm i'm excited for the uh it's great how it's funny how like every time they do a new flight everybody forgets about like the negative aspects about halo because it was like oh yeah this uh multiplayer is uh, freaking awesome so yeah forget all the other down stuff um it was funny that thing about leaderboards that was going around um people were making a big deal about training mode leader leaderboard something that's never been a thing um so they're like hey they stripped out leaderboards i'm like no it's it's never it's okay if they stripped out leaderboards and uh uh sucker punch stripped out the multiplayer of ghost of tsushima because they didn't add it until after launch so i guess they stripped that out too <laughs> but yeah uh i think the single player i'm excited for that because i i think they're gonna nail it i mean if you think about it they had it in a label almost what they were gonna say final state i know it wasn't final <laughs> for what we saw but uh like they had at least close enough where they thought they might hit the that window so with them having a whole another year to delay with joe state and do, you know working his magic i think we're gonna see great things it sucks that it's, it's not gonna hit uh for game of the year um 
you know, to be nominated uh, since it's like a month, a couple weeks too late. But uh, this might be an easy year where it just, you know, easily takes it. But uh, we'll see. It might be good enough next year to go toe to toe. So, but man, next year's loaded. I couldn't even, (laughs) even if you want to say God of War, you got Starfield, you got Gorilla. Yeah, I mean, with Horizon. So, well, again, that's Uh, we'll see. I'm excited for December. Yeah, that's presuming things go, go according to plan with release dates, right? So, yeah, that's true. But oh, uh, yeah, and, and you know, again, this is only the uh, the first half of the test flight. Next weekend, we got the big team battle with the new map fragmentation. So, you know, that's something to look forward to as well. Um, I'm wondering what you know other goodies might be in there, but I don't, know, guys. It just again, it's an exciting time uh, now that. Like we're actually a part of the uh, the insider tests. It's just uh, you know, like I like the feeling of the guns. Like everything just seems pretty cool, and it just makes me more curious. I like Shock was alluding to. I hope that we get to hear more campaign stuff soon or soonish. Maybe I don't like. I'm kind of hoping around maybe mid October, something like that, to hear something. Um, mm-hmm. You know, just yeah, again learn some more I'm stuff. So- Go ahead. I'm surprised people weren't liking the uh, the outlines. I I have no I haven't played again like I said I haven't played Halo in a minute and I find it super easy to kind of know who's villain or who's my enemy and who's not. But I think yeah, it's I think... a good move so you can actually see your your actual shit that you know in the old days you had to like you you spend all that time on the designs and no one can see it unless you did like a every man for himself matches. <laughs> Mm-hmm. It definitely took like some getting used to. Yeah, because I mean, there's sometimes we're like, you're not sure if I, if you're red versus blue, but then you just mm-hmm. see the outlines of your teammates within the walls. You're like, oh, okay, 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 I'm blue, I'm blue, okay. Yeah, just, okay. Yeah, yeah so yeah, it, it was just a little learning, like just like a little learning experience, just a match or yeah. two. And then like you just it, it just became second nature eventually to me. Yeah, you start noticing those outlines pretty easy, pretty quickly. I come from, I play a disgusting amount of Destiny too. So I'm kind mm-hmm. of used to that concept already. They're not so much outlined, but like it, it's not you can't rely on like the color of the player. Um, yeah. So I, I'm used to having the to little look for icon above their head. head. Yeah, I'm used to having to look for the um for you know the something else other than just color in a game. So it wasn't too bad for me. But I could see someone who is a dedicated Halo fan. Halo's the multiplayer they play. I could see it being a little confusing for them just off the bat. I do think in the long run it, it will be a, a system that a lot of people will like. Hmm. Yeah, again, there are some new things to get adjusted to. I mean, they might tone down the outline a bit more, but yeah, we'll have to wait and see on that. <laughs> They're still taking feedback. But Yeah. Another thing people were griping about, they're the like literally making a big issue about mostly Sony fans. Um uh, was the that if you wanted to complete all the daily challenges is going to take you like 16 to 18 hours and they're like what no one has that amount of time no i'm like that's the point they're giving you so many challenges that if you were to actually know life and try to do all of them in one day it's going to take you forever because there's so many like it's it's not like they're just giving you like five and to do those five challenges is going to take you 18 hours like (laughs) so i mean would you rather than just give you like yeah two or five challenges and then you're done for the day and then you earn nothing so it's like See, i think they're gonna I the X, t- like you're gonna earn not xp but you're gonna keep earning xp towards the battle pass by constantly 
you know, doing those challenges. So to second what Shockley's talking about, I could like with Rainbow Six Siege, you get three daily challenges, and sometimes they are so BS, and you're just like, Well, I ain't getting no XP today. So I, I have to agree with Shockley on what he's saying. It's more than that, though. A lot of people were making a big deal that no matter how much you could play and play and play, but you'll get zero XP unless you went really out of your, your comfort zone to, to get this challenge completed. But the more the more I was playing, there were so, there were so many just play Slayer match, win Slayer match, play any game. Yeah. Like they, and they kept revolving like that. At the very least, the, the one that said just keep playing games, that one kept like renewing itself. So like th- that was just a lot of like ga- you know gasoline on a small little campfire. Like that was a non-issue. Like I was always earning XP every two matches or so. So and, yeah. and another thing, it's like it's like the next best thing to uh, at least this way. The the people who aren't you know very good at Halo, like, like the casuals, the new the new players, they can still feel like they're progressing and they can still unlock yeah. things. Whereas the experts, they can just progress at a, a quicker rate. This way, it's like you know, everyone wins. And plus, you still have the uh, the CSR, the uh, the skill the skill matchmaking. Like when when the game goes live, like you play a certain yeah. playlist a certain amount of times, so you'll get your bronze, silver, gold. Like you will still be you know challenged by other people. But at least this way everyone's progressing at their own at their in their own way so mm-hmm. um, i like i like how they, i like how they did that i will say this i do prefer a, a more traditional xp system not that this is necessarily bad mm-hmm. uh, i yeah. do hope that we get maybe like 25 xp just for completing a match just so that every match matters like because maybe you only have time for one a night and you're not going to be able to trigger that you know the the one that's like repeating three right so so that one match, I'd like that one match to matter, you know? And even if it doesn't matter nearly as much, that that's fine. Just give make it give me like 10 or 25 XP. Just something that, that makes it feel like it, it did progress me in some minor way. Yeah. You know? That's fair. That's fair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I think I, I think share they those will. Sentiments. That just wasn't... They're seeing that from... Because yeah. they said it won't be at launch because they have... They just want to get everything 100% yep. feel amazing so people don't have any gripes. And then, okay, cool, we'll address the XP issue. I'm sure it's coming because they've seen pretty much there's been nobody that said, hey, yeah, that's totally fine. Pretty much everybody has said, yeah, please put XP in there. So mm-hmm. Now, I got to ask, guys, what do you think of the uh, AI companion that's uh, chattering back and forth? I like it. I, uh, I'm sticking with the butler right now. Mm-hmm. It feels like my own little personal Alfred yeah, in my ear. So, but uh, oh, it's nice because you know, in the lore, it's like you you got your own little. It's like you got your dumb AI like mm-hmm. like by your side. I don't think it's a smart AI. It sounds like a dumb AI in the lore, but yeah, it's mm-hmm. a nice, neat little touch. You know, customize it a certain way, an extra layer of uh, you know personalization. Yeah, I like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just want like a simple superintendent AI from ODST to uh, to have. I, I mean, it just, I mean, it, it's probably happening, but you know, I just want like you know uh, a, a very simple AI. Like I don't know, like Butler is okay. I don't mind him, but like I don't know, maybe a you, little you less want, chatter. Like, the the Annie Dot from uh yeah Anti Dot yeah. yeah 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 from Reach. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be cool, actually. No, I'm just kind of curious. Everybody seems to have a different opinion on the the AI. Most people seem to like them, but um, I, I could go either way, I guess. Like, I don't know. It's fine overall with the AI. Uh, just, again, like, just something new 
an interesting thing that 343 added to the game. Uh, definitely, guys in the chat, definitely let me know what your thoughts are. Um, but yeah, again, I'm really enjoying the flight, guys, and I can't wait to get some more time into game. Um, and again, we got big team battle next week, so that's a lot to look forward to. Uh, does anybody have anything else to add to the Halo conversation before we go to our next topic? And I'll take that as a no. But yeah, hey guys, love Halo. And so far, I'm really enjoying what we got going. Uh, let's move over to some of the other news that's making the rounds. And a few days ago, the initiative put out a statement saying that Tomb Raider developer Crystal Dynamics will be partnering with them to work on Perfect Dark. So, I mean, that's pretty big. The announcement kind of, like, blew up gaming Twitter, to say the least. Uh, so that was kind of interesting. I've seen a lot of hot takes on this topic, and I would love to get everyone's thoughts on this, well, big surprise. But I'll start off with MLD. Buddy, uh, what's your take on this? Okay, well, I mean, I'm still trying to wrap my head around all the negative takes on this. I mean, okay, I mean, let's be honest here. Your part, this isn't a outsourcing to a smaller support studio. This is a partnership with a major third-party developer. And is that is that unusual for uh, for the times? Sure, sure it is. But um, I still see this as good news. It's win-win because in the end, um, we all know the initiative is a new studio. And they're only at about 60 people as of right now, mostly senior uh, leadership. And, I mean, let's be honest here. Do we expect a people, a, a team of 60 people to make a AAA game in, what, in a timely manner? No, of course not. They need manpower. They need it now. And instead of taking hiring gradually, taking years upon years, like, and uh, just bring in a team that's proven. Like, get them to do the grunt work. You need people. You need the people now. Get these guys in. They got a proven track record. Now, people are quick to list, like, again, it's, it's a weird thing in our gamer culture. Like, when we talk about Bethesda, they always list the last game they made, Fallout 76. And they ignore everything before that. Same thing here. They bring up Crystal Dynamics making uh, the Avengers game. But they completely ignore the Tomb Raider uh, trilogy. And that is, like, what you really should be comparing it to. Because this ain't no uh, uh, live service game. Like, this is going to be, like, a triple a uh, single player experience at the very least so i more compared to tomb raider which were all great games but it's more than that like the, the other negative thing is that um because it's crystal dynamics making the game now or at least making the game in part apparently now it's not the initiative's game anymore it's crystal dynamics game which is like i, I don't get the logic behind that it's still the initiative's vision it's their game uh, they will basically dictate what they, how they want the game to be made. And Crystal Dynamics, they're, they're just doing the heavy lifting. But essentially, it's still an Xbox game. It's still their vision. So I think people are just reaching here. And then also people are like are, are reacting to this. Xbox fans online are reacting to this, to the, to the negative narratives. Like people list how Last of Us 2 had, what, help from as much as, what, 14 stu studios? Don't quote me on that. But apparently Last of Us 2 had a lot of outsourcing and crickets on that. But this is somehow bad because, uh, I don't know, but it, it's a win. We, this means, in the end, to make this as simple as possible, I think this is good news. Because in the end, we get this game quicker. Microsoft, they don't want this game to take years upon years upon years. Because, again, only 60 people. This means that the game will come out faster. 
instead of hiring uh, uh, randoms and unknowns, you got a proven developer. So I'm actually hyped up for this. It just means we'll play this game a lot sooner than than expected. So, yeah, that's my take. Overall, good news. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's also what they stated from their get go. What they wanted to do is stay small, agile, and it seems like they might be targeting at like, hey, we're gonna you know brainstorm, lay out our vision for the game, the world of the game, um, kind of everything we want it to be, and then we're gonna hire in. You know, because it takes some, you know, like uh, Santa Monica, Sony Santa Monica, like they partnered with Valkyrie uh, to off, you know, to be a support studio, also supporting Halo Infinite. But the reason why they don't need as much support is because they're three times the size. They have way more manpower. Um, That's not what from the get go, the initiative's point is to, you know, stay small so they can easily jump from, you know, this project obviously they're going to oversee it make sure the vision you know is going to hit like how they want it um but i don't see how it's a ba- and people are saying like hey they should have why are they doing it out of you know out of why don't they choose one of the other you know 23 22 studios i'm like who would you pick over crystal dynamics who actually did reboot you know made actually a good tomb raider game i've never wanted to play tomb raider in my freaking life and <laughs> i finally played a tomb raider game for the first time because of Crystal Dynamics, and they rebooted and made it a solid game, and they didn't even make that third one, which people some some people didn't like. So that was IDOS. Um, so they made the two that were high pinnacle Tomb Raiders, um, and you should I, I would say trust the track record of you know Daryl Gallagher. Um, he's done nothing but Spitfire. <laughs> he was the studio head for uh, uh, Deus Ex: Human Revolution, which was an '89. Metacritic um, had third person, first person. Uh, kind, I mean, that's a good setup for uh, like Perfect Dark. Uh, it's going to use it like they did in that game. Use a lot of gadgets. Go from do that first person mode and uh, part third person for some of the gadget tree, kind of like they did in uh, Perfect Dark Zero. Um, mm-hmm. So that just lines up perfectly. And then he headed the next two Tomb Raider games and rebooted that game and actually made Laura Croft to like you know an actual good game. Um, so I, who else would you know you pick that like that could actually you know had out of all their other studios, Crystal Dynamics did it. They rebooted, made two solid games, and then they you know got put on Avengers because that was their top you know non or top Western studio. So Square picked them. They got the license, and like not many people can even do a, a live service game like. Pretty much, unless you're Bungie, that's that's a, that's about the only team that can really land it. Unless you're doing like more of a multiplayer like Halo or Battlefield, um, but trying to do some like action adventure live service game just really isn't hidden Unless you're just Destiny, and even in Destiny's case, they've lost a lot of hardcore players, including myself, that played it religiously back in the day and can't touch it anymore. So, I mean, I don't see how it's a how it could be a bad thing. You got more talent. Um, because Crystal Dynamics is talented, and Daryl Gallagher, he, this was probably set in stone way earlier uh, when they were coming on to the project, um, when they were, you know, deciding what kind of studio they wanted to be, and started, you know, basically stating like, hey, we're going to be this type of studio that's going to be, you know, stay small. We're not going to get, you know, 400, you know, plus people like a Naughty Dog. Um, 
cool. Well, who could help us maybe partner? Because some of these things are going to be set in stone. They just decide this, you know, in the past month, more unlikely that, hey, we're going to partner with Crystal Dynamics. That's probably some stuff that's been going on for a while that they've been, you know, setting up. <laughs> um, and Daryl Gallagher, obviously their studio head, so a lot of familiar familiarity there. They feel comfortable, both of them. Um, I think it's a perfect match, so. I think people are reading too much into it. It's just like going straight to doom and gloom, <laughs> but yeah. I don't know. I don't see it. Well, I don't see how it's a, a bad thing. So. Yeah. I think you nailed it. Uh, as far as, you know, I have the same feelings as you and I feel like the people that are doom and glooming it are the same people that just want to, you know, put negative uh, narratives against Xbox and put Xbox down um listen at the end of the day initiative is a different type of studio they've always been different they were built uh with uh who knows what they're they're really going to do maybe this is a template for what they do they they conceptualize an idea and um you know they have one of the best or a a collection of really good developers and unique developers and smart developers and, you know, uh, creative developers. You know, you look at the talent that they already have amassed and, you know, maybe they conceptualize an idea and then they farm out a studio uh, and move it from there. So I do believe there's going to be multiple projects from Initiative. Uh, This absolutely makes a ton of sense for the fact that this is Gallagher's old team. Uh, in addition to all the talent that they have in the initiative, uh, you know, they had a game, Rise of the Tomb Raider, that was, I think, 87 Metacritic on Xbox. It was, it, was a, it was a success. It was a really good game. And at the end of the day, uh, when the game comes out, if it scores 68 on Metacritic, it's going to get bastardized. And uh, if it scores high 80s and, and does well on Metacritic, uh, that's all that matters, and I think that this type of deal kind of paves the way for the latter of what I just said, and that's I do believe it's going to be a quality game. It's a really good uh, good idea. It seems like they have the right type of developer, the right type of talent, um, and uh, they have some really good ideas. It sounds like that this, uh, you know, a good protagonist. Uh, you know, a main character, Johanna Dark. I, I just think that they, they're they're gonna have a good game here, and that's all that matters. Uh, you know, it doesn't matter who may. At the end of the day, you're not gonna be saying, "Oh, well, it's Crystal Dynamics game." Uh, you know, and and it's not it's not theirs. Who at that point, who cares? It's when the game comes out, it has to be good. And I think that they took the steps here to ensure that. And I'm personally happy with the idea. Uh, and I was happy with the news because I had questions before this, how a 70, 70 uh, you know, a 70-member developmental team is going to do a AAA like this. And now we've got our answer. This is going to be a full-on AAA game. It's not going to be episodic and all these rumors that came out. Um, it's going to be a full-on Episode, you know, a full-on AAA in the likes of Tomb Raider type, uh, you know, uh, you know, you know, show a, a game, and and that's good thing. So 
yeah, I think that it's just the, the negative spinning and all that stuff is just a product of, hey, let's try to get put Xbox down. Uh, this isn't something new that studios do. Uh, Rag, uh, Ragnarok, Gears of, uh, God of War has the same deal. Uh, yeah, this is a little bit different. And maybe Crystal Dynamics is a little more prominent. But at the end of the day, like, who really cares? Like, do you guys, does anybody really dissect who made these games and all the developmental studios that, ha- that helped out? Uh, you know, you you know that people don't do that. At the end of the day, what matters, and this is my argument with somebody, uh, you know, we were talking about it pretty passionately, is is that if the game fails, that's all that matters. Doesn't matter if the game succeeds, that's all that matters. So it's not going to come. In who made it? What what's going on? Who knows? This could also pave the way for a deal where Xbox buys out. This studio from Square Enix, mm-hmm. you know, they can Square Enix can recoup some of the money, and it makes a, a, a cup makes a ton of sense to think that they already have an existing relationship, uh, and you know, a, a Square Enix can probably recoup some of the money that it lost from Avengers, and you know, they can move on, and and this could be this could be another studio that's added to. Xbox Game Studios, and I think that's quite possible. And I also think that there's going to be another initiative game. There's coming, like I said, I do believe they have some different ideas and approaches. And that was the whole thing when you know initiative the talk of quadruple talk uh, quadruple AAA or whatever A was the you know, was the, you know, the, the talk of the town and maybe blown out of proportion. But initiative at its core was always a different type of idea, a different type of strategy. And um, if this is it, that's fine. I'm fine with coming up with ideas and then getting a AAA studio with a, a good track record to to nail down the game. And, you know, they already nailed down Rise of the Tomb Raider. They're going to do this the same, in my opinion with perfect dark and uh i'm happy about it and it's it's interesting but you know all these hot takes and you know troubles here that's not the case Uh, i know for a fact phil and everyone is very excited about the project and you know it was probably like shock said was maybe the plan all along you know so uh this is not anything that you should lose your mind about Mm mm-hmm yeah. And just to jump in here, because I agree with you guys, I think it's weird that, again, the initiative is getting crapped on all over social media just because they're getting assistance. Because studios, game studios get assistance all the time. For example, again, people bring up God of War Ragnarok. Remember, Death Stranding got help from Guerrilla Games uh, developing that. Halo Infinite has like three or four support studios. Like a lot of big games, for the most part, they get these other smaller studios to help them out. Uh, the key thing here is that, again, Crystal Dynamics is not a small studio. It's it's a big name uh, studio with a lot of history and important IP behind it as well. I know that Marvel's Avengers, that game hasn't done so well for Crystal Dynamics and Square Enix overall. 
but it's still a very talented studio and really it makes a lot of sense like you guys were saying with Daryl Gallagher originally coming over from the Tomb Raider team to come over to the initiative you know it makes sense that he would go to that team and be like hey can you guys you know can we uh, work out something here that you could support us again the initiative is only like a 70 80 person team um for them to make a triple a game you know it it would take a lot a lot you know a long time for them to do so this makes a lot of sense for them to bring in such a big talented team uh centurion you've been a little bit quiet here what's your thoughts on this whole like situation here all these different hot takes with regards to uh crystal dynamics perfect dark and the initiative as much as I really want to go, because I've been frothing at the mouth since after General, um, our Crusader actually <laughs> has his hand raised before me inside the thing. So if I wanted to get his take on it first. I was going to say, feel free to go if you want to. Um, it doesn't really matter. No, uh, it's all good. You're the guest. I, I, oh, gonna, I didn't even know. Okay. <laughs> oh, you're good. I'm going to bounce off of what Tim said for a second. Uh, I'm a, com a computer scientist and mathematician, and I'm going to bounce off of the mathematician part here. Let's just look at the money that Microsoft has invested into this into this singular project here. They opened the Initiative Studio in Santa Monica. That's an expensive area to open a, a software development suite in, just mm -hmm. because the, the, the cost of living is high and there are a lot of software development um, just studios and things there, not just gaming, but like in general. And so you have to pay competitively to be there. And not only are they paying competitively to be there, they're trying to attract the best talent, which means that they are almost certainly paying these developers that they are pulling to this studio more than what you would normally conceive to to attract them here, right? Because they have to make this attractive to get them to get them hired. Then you look at this partnership with Crystal Dynamics, right? Because as we've said, you know, everyone has support studios. Like even Breath of the Wild was supported by Monolith Software, the people who do Xenoblade. Um, so they're they're pulling in a very attractive studio and they have to be paying a pretty penny to Square Enix to borrow a portion of their team because they did confirm that they're still supporting, uh, in addition to this, they're still supporting Marvel's Avengers and they're still supporting something new in the Tomb Raider universe. Um, on Twitter, they said that. So Microsoft is putting a lot of money into this project. That should excite people. They're, they're attracting fantastic developers and they are pulling in a fantastic developer my big question is what's up with square why did square agree to this that's that was what was weird to me i, I found that the more shocking thing like why is square devoting a portion of crystal dynamics time to working on a microsoft first party project with a microsoft team you know when they could be working on their their own project for square which is its own publisher um and I think Tim brought up a good point that it, not necessarily just Crystal Dynamics potentially going to, to Xbox, but that we've seen for a long time that Square has been disappointed in their Western division. The last Deus Ex, um, the Marvel's Avengers, uh, both of the Tomb Raiders, while they were fantastic games, Square said that they were a disappointment sales-wise, which is really shocking to me because they sold into the millions. Um, so... Maybe this is a sign that Square is actually taking a look at their Western publishing division and being like, what what are we going to do with this? You know, what what are we going to do with these teams? Because 
it, it just seems so weird that investor call after investors call, they they say that, you know, this, that, or another thing is disappointing or behind. So, you know, maybe this is a, a, a wake up call for Square to just kind of center what they're what they're even going to be doing with their Western division. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, very possible. Again, again, Tim had brought up, you know, what are the chances of, you know, Xbox, Microsoft even acquiring, you know, the studio? I mean, it wouldn't be the first time that they would go to a publisher and acquire a studio. Look at, you can go all the way back to Xbox and Nintendo talking and then Xbox Rare. bought Rare. Yeah. So, you know, there is some history with that. Um and it's not like they don't have the cash to do it. And Satya Nadella very recently had stated, you know, they're going to be very aggressive and buy more studios. I know that we get on this talk about, you know, who's Xbox going to acquire next. And there's all this acquisition talk because, again, where there's smoke, there's fire. They are going to acquire somebody and a bunch of studios. It's a matter of who. What's the likelihood? But, you know, there's a scenario here where... You know, could I see Crystal Dynamics get bought up by Xbox? Sure. I mean, to top everything off, guys, Xbox has a... they Xbox really seems to like the Tomb Raider IP as well. I mean, yep. uh, they had the marketing for the original the Tomb Raider reboot, uh, what, in 2012? Or I think it was 2012. And then they funded Rise of the Tomb Raider back in the day. So, obviously, they're fans of the IP, and they like Crystal Dynamics, so... I don't know. There's a lot of different connecting dots here, to say the least. Uh, you know, I, I'm not going to say anything about necessarily who's going to acquire who, mm -hmm. but it just looks like that Square, because Square's Eastern Division, right? Like the, the their Final Fantasy teams and all, all of their Japanese teams, and uh, they do fantastic. They're, they're If you listen to Square's investors' calls, the, those teams are always pulling it in i mean look at final fantasy 14 taking off it's incredible but you you look at what they say about their western teams and it makes you wonder if they might piecemeal those those teams off in the next four or five years i, I don't think that this would be anything soon um but it, it this really makes you wonder what their plans are for that division if they are renting them out to another publisher and not even self-publishing a project you know it, it just makes you think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, it gets the uh, the wheels, the gears, and the, the yeah. brain kind of going there. Lots of different possibilities. And, uh, yeah, I could see the angles you're coming at for sure. Uh, you know, there is a lot to be said, a lot to be talked about uh, on this topic, and it kind of branches out <laughs> different ways. Um, but, yeah, Centurion, what's your thoughts? All right. Before we go down this road, you'll understand why. I'm shouting out the Iron Lords and Lord Cognito specifically. They did hit 10,000 yesterday over mm. on the uh, Iron Lords podcast. Awesome group of individuals. And I had the uh, privilege yesterday to uh, do a show on the shop podcast with Lord Cognito, and he touched on this. Um, he even wonders what's going on with uh, going on at Crystal Dynamics because he almost believes that they were actually doing nothing, that this probably – I don't know if this he believes, but he alluded to the idea of – they could have been doing absolutely nothing, and because of Daryl Gallagher being who he is, used to be at Crystal Dynamics, has friends over there, ties, knew they were doing nothing, so, hey, they're the initiative, they got Microsoft backing them, they probably reached out. 
And you never know. They want to start this partnership because Microsoft, like we alluded, Tomb Raider has been in the eyes of Microsoft for a long time. They've enjoyed growing the franchise. They did a custom Tomb Raider console um, for the last um, Tomb Raider game that came out. Now, it was like there was only like, what, four or five of them made and they raffled them off. But I mean, it was a really good looking console. Um, but still, um, they have always had this thing going back and forth with Crystal Dynamics. So I really do believe they saw an opportunity with. Um, Crusader even alluding, you know, Square Enix has had some setbacks recently. We've got the Avengers. We've also got Outriders. I mean, there has been some stuff lately that has made Square Enix take a couple steps back. And you never know. They may have had Crystal Dynamics up on the shelf and somebody decided to basically rent them out. Um, I'm excited for it. It could lead into an awesome, awesome thing in the future. We could see an acquisition acquisition. Otherwise we could just see a partnership that lasts a very, very long time and could turn into something like Bethesda because Microsoft leaned on Bethesda a lot and they made a very good partnership with over, over the years with them. And we saw what that turned into, um, going back to crystal dynamics, uh, the company, has a massive history in dealing with strong female character type roles in the games. They know how to, they've got motion capture animation uh, pedigrees where they know how to create long flowing hair when it comes to, because uh, I remember running around as Tomb Raider, the ponytail bobbing around, the graphics, everything looked clean. They really know how to craft a single player uh, experience that revolves around a strong female role. And I mean, through, let's look at um, Rise of the Tomb Raider, open, it felt like an open world game, but it was pretty much very linear in it, w the way it was designed, which is going to be perfect for Perfect Dark, no pun intended, um, because we had like the missions, like the original. The original missions in Perfect Dark, it wasn't open world per se, but it was completely linear. You're in office buildings with locked doors and, and ways to guide you down this linear path, but you still have this idea that you're in an open world. Now, obviously, that was like the Nintendo 64 days, and we're probably going to get a much cleaner, better version of Perfect Dark coming out of Crystal Dynamics and the Initiative. Now let's go into, uh, so due to some recent events, I had to brush up on copyright law. I enjoy learning law in my spare time. I'm weird like that. Um, so as a, this is the way it works with copyright. If an employer employs an individual or a group to create a work of art at the employer's expense, the work of art or work belongs to the employer, AKA the initiative. That's just the way it works on paper. Regretfully, however you want to get up in your feelings and try to twist the chess pieces around, you cannot circumvent what is written into law in the Copyright Act of 1978 when it talks about the hiring of a group or uh, an individual in creating a work of art. We saw this recently with the composer for Destiny trying to say that his work was copyrighted. At any rate... Um, this is where I am one of those people, though, that do carry around a small negative to this idea. We are talking about Crystal Dynamics, the one company who came out and wrote a BS apology letter for Rise of the Tomb Raider being a one-year exclusive. Everybody and their grandmother got up in their arms, cried about it being exclusive, this, that, and the other, to where 
Crystal Dynamics had to come out and basically write an apology letter and publicly let everybody know that the game was going to be exclusive. Have we seen this with the Spider-Man character? Nope, Sony didn't apologize for that. Have we seen this with Final Fantasy? Nope, Square Enix hasn't apologized for that. The list could go on. Crystal Dynamics is still one of the few companies that has come out and, in my opinion, kind of bit me on the hand because all of a sudden I feel like, how is it that they had to apologize for a game being exclusive. Mm. Yeah, well, it's weird. It's weird. It's weird. Uh, go ahead. Uh, who was that? Chris? I mean, Pete Hines apologized for the thing. I mean, I think they're just kind of like... Hi- well, Pete Hines and Aaron Greenberg have both made apology letters for people for Starfield and Bethesda, and it basically beat around the bush saying, get the F over it. Like yeah, that was their that was their yeah. apology from them, but literally, like Crystal Dynamics, it was a literally typed out letter that made it to the internet. This guy wrote a heartfelt, emotional apology, letting everybody know how sorry he was and how disappointed everybody is that Microsoft got one year exclusivity to a game that they personally funded. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, well, I mean, it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be too sad standard. because, like, it may have not. Got the green light, green light since Square wasn't, I guess, I don't know, somehow Square wasn't happy with the sales with the first game. Um, so they wanted Microsoft. They were like, Microsoft's going to pay for all the funding for the Xbox 316 Xbox One copies? Cool. Um, so, yeah, so that's, I don't know. that's the only negative connotation I carry around with me. Personally, I hope that's water under the bridge. You know, it's going to be a thing of the past, and I really hope it leads to a very strong partnership with a really great company that really has a strong pedigree in crafting uh, single-player uh, experiences uh, that we're looking for. Every time we, I have always asked, what's the perfect game that you could create in 2021? Well, there is a heavy, heavy push for strong female roles in the entertainment industry. And every time you think of that role, Tomb Raider comes to mind. Well, then it's like, well, Tomb Raider has always been done. And every time you reach back into your head of games thinking about roles, Joanna Dark always comes up in the conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, again, Perfect Dark is just one of those beloved rare IP. And, you know, over the years, a lot of people have wanted uh that ip to return it's just been you know who's gonna make it right rare and so on there was a lot of exploring ken Mm -hmm. lob had ken lob had teased it for a while and lo and behold uh you know who would have thought that uh microsoft that xbox would have uh created a new studio and lo and behold they would work on this ip it just you know i mean it's great it just it was very surprising at first but you know it's great that they're working on perfect dark um it's interesting that square is going to let uh crystal dynamics do probably a lot of the heavily lifting so they're going to be busy just making this i mean obviously it's going to be a on you know every device console hmm. pc and cloud but that yeah. maybe they're trying to ship off there. I know we've been through the acquisition talking doesn't mean just because of this is you know going to be an acquisition. Um, but maybe they're looking to see watch how this goes. Um, but I wonder if they'll because uh, they let IDOS go right or um, the IO Interactive yes, go right. Yes, IO. Yeah. So I'm like I'm wondering extended. if they're trying to ship off more of their Western developers since they're not making money with Avengers. So. <laughs> Well, I think, 
Sorry, go go ahead. No, I just think that, uh, like Crusader said, don't let you ML take over. Uh, you know, this is it is very possible that this could be a deal. I mean, it, it points. I mean, I don't want to, you know, but it, it definitely could point to something like that very easily, especially if it's successful. Go ahead, MLB. Oh, I was just thinking, like, maybe come out of Avengers, uh, this might be something that Square would know that there will be a return on investment because because um, it, 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 not, not only is it going to be on Xbox, it'll be on Steam, it'll be marketed by Xbox, you know, so Square won't have to put up any marketing money. So for that either too, so I think there'll be a lot of sales, especially on PC. Uh, Game Pass will get a lot of uh, action and you know a lot of referrals from that. So I think it'd be a good way for them to recoup some losses with with this next project being you know full, mostly funded and marketed funded by Xbox Xbox itself. But it's it's all it's also that I think it's just I'm looking at Perfect Dark the N64 one, not the one for 360. It's just not nothing quite like it out right now. So I think it will be a breath of fresh air because it's not just like a uh, a run and gun a first person shooter. Like it's like a slower paced gadgets and espionage. Like I, I, I when, when was the last time we had like a new uh, Splinter Cell game? Like things like yeah. that. I or think like a Deus Ex. Like exactly, uh, exactly. Yeah. I think it'll be due for like a really like a very unique first person shooter. And again, like again, Microsoft they're going the route with the. Uh, you know, the very inclusive heroes, strong women. And Joanna Dark fits that bill. So I think Crystal Dynamics will get like a nice return on investment if Xbox markets markets it like just right and uh, to give them the time that they need to make it a good game. Yeah. yeah. Whoever brought up IOI, that's actually a, a great point. This, this could also be a signal that uh, Crystal Dynamics is attempting to move to a more independent... Um, situation and what better way to do that than to guarantee you have funding with one project by working with a large first party developer you then that can money that your studio gets from that could end up being pushed into a project that you are going to self-publish if they were to move to a more independent state like ioi that would give them a lot of security mm-hmm. oh definitely I, I even know that. Uh, what when did um uh what the Hitman developers? When did they leave Square? I, I wasn't aware of that. Uh, give a me a second. I can. Look it was that a up couple of you. years ago, right? At least. Yeah. It was twenty. And they, it was, and they took it was, the Hitman IP with them. Yes. yes, it was before Hitman Two. Hitman, the first Hitman was the only one published by Square. Hitman Two was five oh five, and Hitman Three was independently published. Uh, really? Give me a okay. Right. I could tell you so, when they went independent. Um, so they went independent in twenty seventeen. So okay. Okay. Ago. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So it's out of the realm of possibility that they could uh, take Tomb Raider with them if they were to go independent. Correct. Interesting. Okay. Okay. It's very, yeah, very possible. Or that Tomb Raider and possibly whatever other IP they've worked on in the past. But uh, that would be, yeah, that's an interesting situation there, an interesting scenario. Uh, yeah, good thoughts there, guys. Um, but yeah, we'll you know we'll see how all this turns out. It's just again, it's interesting that the initiative decided to partner with uh, Crystal Dynamics, and yeah, there's a lot to look forward to with this. And I'm excited for Perfect Dark even more so because again, this is a very uh, capable team that they have on the game. But uh, before we move on, guys, anything else to add to this talk? I'll take that as a new. No. 
So, okay, let's move on, guys. And, uh, oh, actually, before we move on, guys in the chat, if, uh, you know, you like our banter so far, then uh, remember to drop a like and share this out. And don't forget to sub to the channel. We would greatly appreciate it. All you guys freaking rock in the chat, by the way. Uh, yeah, moving on, guys. Let's talk some Nintendo. Uh, they recently had their latest Direct Showcase. Uh, there were a bunch of different announcements and updates. We got a new 3D Kirby game. A cloud version of Dying Light 2, which is kind of interesting, more Metroid Dread, and a surprise Nintendo Switch Online expansion that has been getting a lot of talk. Now, let's see here. To kick things off, Eric Shockley, buddy, uh, what do you think of uh, the, what Nintendo showed? Uh, any, like, standout announcements, reveals? Uh, I would say probably the biggest reveal, uh, just because I... I'm just glad it wasn't just like adding, hey, we're adding Game Boy Color <laughs> to the Nintendo Online, uh, but was adding the not only N64, but Sega Genesis. So I think that was pretty cool. Also seeing Banjo in there. Um, wasn't expecting that. So I wonder if that's going to be more uh, rare games or mm. if they just did Banjo because Banjo's on Smash. Um, but we'll see. Um, I'm just wondering how the emulation is going to go because n64 emulations notoriously uh not super easy to do um i'm i'm surprised there wasn't like wave race in there um i'm guessing if they do put it in there they'll probably like have to take out the kawasaki names and stuff so with some of the licensing issues but i'm excited for the multiplayer aspect for it that's that'd be the only reason that i don't see this as a possibly a complete ripoff of them adding uh charging more with the expansion pack um is you know if i can play mario tennis uh, 64 online that's gonna be sick um and some of those other experiences would be pretty awesome um but otherwise the kirby i was excited for i didn't buy the star allies that i knew that one was like super shallow game that they tried to pass off for 60 dollars um at least the rainbow curse one on the wii u was only 40 and it had at least an interesting that was a cool game but like it knew its price um, but I'm excited to see, you know, where that goes. Um, definitely excited for the Metroid Dread that's going to be hot this uh, October. Mm. Um, and then also the uh, the Mario Party, the actual Mario Party game they should have made. Whatever they charge $60 for. I'm glad I didn't buy that last one. Uh, this one's supposed to be kind of like taking all their best of all the past Mario Parties and uh, revamping those and making it online. So. That should be pretty cool. And they finally showed off Bayonetta 3. Hadn't played the other two, but I definitely played a lot of the Devil May Cry games. So maybe I'll check that out in the trilogy that's, or the uh, the other two that are on Switch. Um, but finally got some word on that. No word on any uh, Metroid uh, Prime 4. <laughs> that game got announced like 2017, 2018, maybe. Yeah. Um, so, but. Uh, and it's odd that they still don't do that trilogy, but um, but I, I figured the N64 Mario was coming back, even though they delisted it um, as in the form of uh, their their expansion pack here. And I think that's where they're going to go from now on. They're not going to. They're like, hey, we can't justify to our clientele. We're going to keep forcing you to buy Virtual Console over and over again on each platform. So this one's another, it's not as egregious. We're going to just make sure you can never own them. So you're going to have to constantly pay us, but at least we're not making you feel like you're rebuying, you know, Mario 64 for the 10th time. 
um, each console iteration, they're just going to probably just keep this rollout and just have you looped in and have no chance of buying it. Um, well, I guess in that case, you could with the All-Stars, that one game. But um, otherwise, um, and then the, oh my God, the most, uh, the biggest part that's the most egregious with them, and they can get away with it, is the uh, the controllers that they're trying mm, to sell. Yeah. Um, cool. The N64 one, maybe not, as bad i'm hoping it has rumble in there even though i know it has the shape at the end where it looks like you could put a rumble pack in it um but i didn't see totally the back of it but it better have rumble for 50 dollars um <laughs> but the 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 sega genesis one here's how they completely ripped off not only are the chargers 50 dollars for that controller if you buy the one they're not selling it to a, uh to the states or probably anywhere i think outside of japan um, so in Japan, they're selling you the the six button layout for the Sega Genesis controller uh, for that fifty dollars, and in the states you're just getting that three button, which is a complete ripoff. And Retrobit themselves makes a wireless version of that, or even the Sega Saturn controller Retrobit exact replicas, Sega Sega molds, identical down to every detail um, that are wireless that are only like thirty or forty bucks. So it's like them with their, these prices is that's the most egregious like hey we're going to charge whatever we want and they're going to sell like hotcakes if they're really smart they'll whip out those fantastic fun fantastic or what do you call them fantastic control or controller colors that they had on the um in 64 if they do that they're, if they're stupid if they don't do it mm-hmm. <laughs> because they would sell a crap ton that, that, that would just make everybody like okay i'll buy three four of those 50 dollar in 64 controllers I'm I'm a, I'm still worried about that stick because at least I have replacements where I can replace some of my N64 controller uh, sticks with steel sticks and have other options. But I'm like, if that's the same, it does look different because it doesn't have the whole function in the top, so it's probably a different design. Um, but man, if they, I well, they're never going to put that Mario Party One game in there, the one you had to roll around with your palm and destroy your controller. So they're never going to put that one in the N64 collection uh, for that reason. But, uh, yeah, I'm still worried about I'll, – I'll let other people t- test it out for a bit um, because I don't know spending $50 for it because they don't even cost that now, that authentic thing in a great condition. So mm-hmm. um, that's what I'm worried about of like, hey, if I spend $50, is that stick going to just like get easily worn down over time? So. Overall, a decent show. It sucks that they didn't show off this smash. I guess it's going to be later screen, but either way, it's uh, it was weird they had KOTOR in there. They just had yeah. just the one KOTOR. I think it's just the mobile version, it's I the, believe. But. Yeah, yeah, it looks pretty rough. <laughs> and they had a bunch of Dying Light 2s coming to it, cloud version. So I guess that's how they're going to go with this, because I was like, are they going to do a new model? But they might just keep rolling with the switch and if the cloud versions work they'll just put every you know every once in a while a game in there and just keep dragging i mean metroids we haven't even heard of anything so and it's it been in development so um i'm i'm guessing we're sticking with the switch for another five years maybe i don't know <laughs> mm-hmm. we'll see yeah, yeah. I mean, there are some nice announcements here. I did like. I'll admit, I'm. I, I kind of have a soft spot for Kirby, so it was, it was nice seeing the uh, Kirby 3D uh, adventure titled uh, The Forgotten Land. So that kind of piqued my interest. Because uh, again, I like my platformers. 
Uh, Bayonetta 3, finally, though. Yeah, that's crazy. Coming out next year, I believe. There's some uh, pretty crazy giant monster battles going on there. That's pretty cool. Um, yeah, yeah. And <laughs> the Super Mario movie, guys, that's pretty cool. Uh, I see Chris Pratt voicing Mario. That's uh, interesting. Never thought that would happen. Um, but they got some big names head headlining uh, that animated title. Um, let's see. Uh, Crusader, I don't know if you caught the Nintendo Direct. I don't know if you're like a Nintendo uh, guy by any I means. I did catch, I, I try to watch all of the showcases um, for like basically anything that comes out. Mm -hmm. I'm I don't actually have a Switch myself. Um but I have a lot of friends who are big Nintendo fans and we all we were all watching it in Discord together. Uh I am actually genuinely excited for that Mario movie. Um I don't mm -hmm. care what anyone says, that cast looks like it's gonna be hilarious. Mm -hmm. Um I, I'm very excited for that. Um I am actually relatively excited for both of those controllers. I do think the price point, especially for the um the Sega Genesis one, it is the Genesis, right? The, yeah, whichever Sega yeah, it's, a, it's a Genesis. Yeah, um, I, I yeah. do think it's a little high. But the the one really nice thing about those controllers, like all of the Switch controllers, it'll be Bluetooth, so you can Bluetooth it to your computer because you can Bluetooth the like Joy Cons, the the Pro controller, and they'll have USB C ports too. So like it'll be really easy to natively use those brand new controllers for PC. So like that is that is a really neat thing for people who don't even really care about the like. The, the Switch, if you're emulating, the, these could be a really cool tool for you. Um, very versatile. I mean, realistically, you could even, like, Bluetooth them to your phone if you have an emulator running on your phone. Um, uh, I have a lot of friends who are dear, dear Kirby fans, and I was so excited to see them very happy with the Kirby game. Um, uh, the Bayonetta. The Bayonetta looked good. Um... I'm actually happy that uh, that the the Kotor is itself getting preserved. I was happy when it was backwards compatible on Xbox, and I'm very happy to see it come to the Switch because I actually do think it would be a perfect game for the Switch. Um, it, I mean, it is old, it is aged, but uh, I'm happy to see stuff like that get preserved and put onto more things as time goes on. Um, I'm trying to think, Metroid. I loved Metroid Fusion growing up on my Game Boy SP. I played a ton of Metroid Fusion. Used to try to speedrun it a little bit, so I'm, I, I, the, I may end up getting a Switch very soon here to play Metroid Dread, just because it's the sequel that has taken what like 20 years to come, and on a, a stupid amount of time that makes that puts uh, Elder Scrolls fans to shame. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so. I, I am considering getting a switch just for that game. So that lo it looks very it looks very fun. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Now, well, oh no, go oh, ahead yeah. MLD, go ahead. Oh, oh, sorry. I, I was going to put my two cents in. I got I I, I looked at the recap of this, looking at it through the lens of, you know, like an Xbox fan here, but a few things did stand out to me. Mm -hmm. Like Sega like Sega putting their uh, back catalog on uh on gaming publishers uh, marketplaces now that was intriguing to me i'm thinking may, that might be in the oh we might see more of that with other brands like even xbox with the sega's back catalog but just think about that n64 having their games being online am i am i understanding that correctly yep they see see that i was surprised i didn't think nintendo had it in them i mean we all know nintendo's online 
infrastructure is like years behind uh, Xbox and PlayStations, but ha- putting online multiplayer on like personally my own childhood like kind of classics like that that's like really really intriguing right there, and uh, and even ba- like oh, what Banjo being on there. Yeah. Uh, which, which makes me think like oh, Xbox and Nintendo, they're being a little bit more cozy. It's funny, Xbox, they, they, they keep giving Nintendo these things, but Nintendo doesn't give them anything back in return. But I'm hoping that this fosters a closer relationship. I mean, if Xbox keeps allowing these things, you know, maybe we'll see some fruit from that in the future. But overall, though, oh, it seemed like a pretty overall good show if you're uh, if you're into Nintendo. And uh, but uh, I think the N64 thing that is personally very tempting for me. So they, they really good on them for doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, Tim, I was kind of curious on your opinion of this, because as uh, MLD was saying, Banjo-Kazooie, uh, the N64 version is a part of the N64 titles and Rare are very like vocal about it. They're very happy to see it, as well as Aaron Greenberg and so on. Do you think that we could see more older, rare N64 titles make their way onto this Nintendo service? I mean, it's possible. Um, depends on, you know, what kind of kickback Xbox was going to get. I think there was a time when uh, when Reggie was a part of Nintendo that maybe uh, Game Pass on Switch was considered. Uh, I do think that that is not the case anymore. Um, but yeah, I think that they, I, I mean, listen, a lot of people say, well, why does Xbox lend itself to editors and then get no kickback? Um, and I understand that sentiment in a way, like, you know, if they are going to, you know, give, give way to their IP, um, I would think that maybe they should try to get some type of kickback. That's my personal opinion. But, um, yeah, I think that uh, Phil's relationship with Nintendo is very good. So it mm-hmm. is definitely possible. Um, it just has to make sense. You know what I mean? And at the end of the day, uh, Banjo, I guess, it's it's not a big deal. I mean, Phil's always said it doesn't matter where you're, you know, uh, your your games go. But but exclusivity does matter. We, we know that. And uh, I don't think it really matters here. It's not hurting it. The, the the Xbox is kind of you know pushing Banjo uh, his his status even higher, but for me um, I'd just be happy if Xbox would you know announce a Banjo game. Uh, so I kind of like want Xbox to have these old rare IPs and then kind of uh, you know uh, bring them on to Xbox and renew them again. So. Uh, that's my, as an Xbox fan, that's my take. Uh, I'm not really concerned about lending uh, the IPs out. I don't, I don't really care about it, but I do kind of want, I'd love to see a banjo on Xbox. I think, I think it makes too much sense. And I've, I've said that to people at Xbox. It's just, you know, I think that they're a little, uh, they're a little, they're a little blind by this. They, they should, they should, you know, I mean, I don't think it'll conquer, I, I hear is out, but you know, I mean, Conquer, Babanjo, and and stuff like that. That's no brainers. Those those games are fun games that kids like, and I like even myself. I would, I think, I would enjoy a new banjo, and it just makes sense. It's not really hard to to get. They they could get a studio, or they could, you know, easily get global studio, or even have Rare work on it itself. I mean, Sea of Thieves 
has been, you know, been worked on for a long time. So if, if Rare was open to it, I think that it would be a good idea. Um, that's my personal take. But, you know, yeah, I do think it's possible that you could see more of the, these type of cult collaborations. Uh, I just think it would have been a lot more if, if it was Reggie still at the helm, because I think that he would have kicked back a little to Xbox. Um, if I can jump in real quick. One thing that we have to remember about these N64 games that are coming is they're essentially just the original ROM being emulated. There's almost no work going in. So this is almost... Uh, assuredly, Microsoft's getting some money as a kickback from, you know, because they own the IPs, they own they own the rights to the ROMs and stuff like that. But they're, I, I would almost assume that no work is being put in on anyone on their side's work. Like, th- it is just Nintendo wants these ROMs that were already created for an old Nintendo system. So, likely, this is just kind of a free revenue flu, uh, a, a free revenue stream for Microsoft from these already created things that were already on Nintendo systems. Um, it's not quite like Ori or anything like that. It's just, you know, it, it already exists. It already happened. Why not just give it to them and uh, bring in some uh, revenue for the division that we wouldn't be getting otherwise, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, understand, I, I totally understand what you mean. It's not like this property... Again, it was already an N64 game to begin with, right? So there's really... Mm-hmm. Everything's already there. Or originally, it was a Nintendo property. Then it went to Xbox, because Xbox bought Rare. Uh, it makes a lot of sense, right? And it is, a again, more of a, a revenue stream, like you're saying. I guess what a lot of people are just kind of curious about is, well, what's going on with the Banjo-Kazooie IP? Because yep. it's like... Again, over the past year, two years, we've seen, like, you know, some different merchandise put out for Banjo-Kazooie for some older Rare IP. We see them do this and playing nice with Nintendo, which, again, I, I don't necessarily mind, but... Oh, yeah, and then, of course, we saw Banjo and Kazooie in uh, Smash Brothers <clears throat> Ultimate. So, I mean, there's a lot of friendliness here going on with Nintendo, but then, okay, what's going on with Banjo? Are are we going to see a new platformer, a new platformer Banjo? I would kill for it. <laughs> I, mean, I, I think you will. Like, how many Rare games are going to make at yeah. once, one time? They got Perfect yeah. Dark, so they are going through the Rare catalog. So, I mean, they've done Killer Instinct, um, Perfect Dark, so, I mean, they'll get to it, I'm, and- I'm sure, especially how much they're throwing around Banjo, so... And I mean, look Conquer, at one of the pillars. Don't hold your breath. So. <laughs> look at one of the pillars of Microsoft right now, and it's game preservation, right? Mm-hmm. Jason Ronald can't stress that enough. And this is essentially preserving the original copy of the game. You know what I mean? It might not be on their system, but they own it. They own that old ROM, and they're they're preserving it. You know, uh, another generation of people can play it in its originally how it was intended even before the port to the 360 you know it, it, it's I, I see this as nothing but a, a good thing you know mm-hmm. um and it is another way to get banjo out there to to get more and more people to be like hey give us banjo give us banjo i mean not that there's not already a ton of us but you know right and i think that that's the overall uh thinking on xbox's side um, but again, like even you said, like, I think, I think we just want a banjo for Xbox. And I just think that when, when it is being talked about and, you know, 
and going to another platform, even in, in as you stated, its original form, that's fine. But like, I don't know. It just makes too much sense not to, uh, you know, be re- revitalized on Xbox with, with next generation hardware. And it doesn't have to be a big AAA game. It just be a nice add to the catalog uh, with a friendly face and a, and a good character, uh, you know, mascot type deal for Xbox. I think those games just generally always do well. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And uh, just makes a lot of sense. Well, yeah. Plus, I'm uh, interested to see which version they get though of Banjo. Like, are they going to get the one that was on 360 arcade that was in the rare collection that's been like remastered? No, it or should be. Are they the, just going to get one the original that's... ROM? It should be the actual original N64 ROM of it, because that that's how well, the see? emulator works. <laughs> Xbox still has the better version, like yeah. clearly. <laughs> even if you're a purist, like playing that version of Banjo looks way better. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I mean, even Phil has stated that you know they they need to address uh, you know more family friendly games in their library, and again they they got a treasure trove of some. Some of these IP again, like Banjo, because of all the old rare IP, and it just it makes sense to do like a a classic kind of Banjo game again. So you know, there's a lot of clamoring for more family friendly platforming games. I mean, hell, I I love Banjo Kazooie. I'd love to see it. I mean, any everybody in the chat definitely let us know about. Uh, you know what your thoughts are, Banjo. Like what your interests are, because again, I th- I do think there is a lot of interest in it. It just there's been all this teasing, and Nintendo's been getting a lot of use out out of the IP. I I would like to see more on the Xbox side of things, but again, that's just me. Uh, let's see here. Just checking the super chats. Oh, we got a couple of super chats here. Uh, starting with King Thrash Gaming with the five dollar super chat. <laughs> okay, I guess I'll read this one out. Uh, because of this whack chat not supporting, here my super chat. PS gamers support Xbox games don't. Uh, well, okay, it's quite the contrary, but a lot of Xbox gamers here, and uh, they definitely support us. We appreciate them, but thank you very much for your super chat. It's very much appreciated. Um, <laughs> King's my friend. I usually put him like like uh, he's mm-hmm. he's a good dude. On the show, but. You know he's a, he's a, he's a struggling Sony fan that he knows that uh, you know I think he's like really worried about Xbox being taking over and stuff like that. He's very nervous, and uh, you know I try to console him sometimes, but you know it'll, it'll be all right, King. Don't worry, Game Pass <laughs> isn't gonna take over. You know he's very scared about Game Pass and stuff like that. But the, you know he's overall. Uh, on the on the, he's he, we joke around, but he's a good dude. And thank you for the follow. Oh no, no, we appreciate it, but we know, uh, you know, we know you're just, uh, you know, kidding. No worries. That we go back, I go back and forth with, but you know, it's all fun in, in, at the end of the day. <laughs> oh, I know. We we can take a joke here, pal. It just it's pretty funny. Uh, let's see. And then to follow up, there, Victor Alistine with the five dollar super chat support oh there we go pal there we go why the interest in banjo uh well again what uh some of the top some of the uh points we were just making again xbox could use uh a strong family friendly 
or just even a, a strong platforming game of their own. We've seen them do deals like, again, Super Lucky's Tale, where they do like a year deal on this title, but then they don't stick with it. Uh, just again, they're trying. They're already trying to address holes in their lineup, and again, they're all about Game Pass and being in different genres. It makes sense to address uh, that plat uh, that platforming area. So you know, what's what's a better uh, IP than Banjo Kazooie to bring back? Except don't do a nuts and bolts version where you change things up so much. Stick oh, to the. Right. Yeah, stick to the original formula. Don't alienate the fans. Just, again, give people what they want. And, you know, judging from some of the reaction to Banjo-Kazooie... I remember when Banjo-Kazooie was announced for uh, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. The internet, like, everything was just off the hook. People couldn't believe it. There was so much excitement. Believe me, there's still a lot of energy left in this IP. And platformers right now are seeing a resurgence in popularity all over the place on different platforms. I just, I, I don't know, I don't see what's holding them back besides a developer. Maybe Playful could possibly do it. You can get it done. I mean, listen, uh, it's not to interrupt uh, Invader, but mm-hmm. it's, it's something that, listen, I've argued with Cult about this. Listen, guys like us, gamers like us, it probably isn't really for us. But you know you have to think you have to think sometimes that everything shouldn't you know it, it's okay for something to be on on a console that's maybe not catered to you you know I mean it doesn't have to every game doesn't have to be you know uh, shooting bloody mm-hmm. you know machine. and listen as a kid growing up playing Sonic and uh, you know games like that. There's a special, there's a special place in my heart for those games, and you know, I just think that the younger generation uh, of Xbox fans and and people that play, you know, Xbox games, they should have the platform. Definitely should have a, a game like this, and it just it annoys me that you have such an easy home run slam dunk game. That you don't really need. It's not like listen. It's not like it's a huge AAA that would be hard to make. You could get, like you said, there's a number of of developers that you could do it. You could have in-house people do it. You could you could get it done. How this game is in in development right now, um, it's it's a shame and 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 it's something that that I think that uh, it's a miss on Phil and and. And I think Phil, uh, you know, uh, I think that knowing him and knowing what he, you know, how he is, I'm surprised that this game is in, the, in development. Or you know, uh, and it's just like this stuff kind of does annoy me when you're hearing about it going to Super Smash Bros. and and going, you know, you know, more of its rights. Uh, listen, I don't really care if it's going to affect me. I, I like the idea that more gamers can play it, but. At the end of the day, you know, we're Xbox, it's an Xbox fans here, Xbox panel. Um, it just makes so much sense that, you know, you really, it, it's it's just a disappointment that this game, we're in 2022. We were talking about this in 2015. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, it was a little different then. They had four developers. But now you have freaking 23 studios uh, in this in, in global global studios with with like four outstanding games that we don't even know about that 
are being developed and Crystal Dynamics helping out on another game. You know, you telling me you can't get a banjo and and it's a perfect game for Game Pass. It's a perfect game for kids. It's a it's a uh, a mascot type games, which has always lends itself for console. Brings in younger gamers. Um, yeah, it's just it, like I said, it's 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 about that time, and uh, you know they really should should get this going. Mm-hmm. I guess I'll hop in on this. Um... I have a Switch. I'm not the biggest Nintendo player, which is generally why I'm like silent on the Nintendo situation. But I grew up playing Banjo-Kazooie. I love those games. As soon as Rare Replay came out, I bought Rare Replay because those games were specifically on there, along with Conker's Bad Fur Day and a bunch of other games. Um, When it comes to Banjo-Kazooie, if you want my opinion, at least the way my mind twists things around... It, this is honestly a really good business move. Uh, Tim Dog uh, iterated iterated on it earlier. We're putting Banjo and Kazooie back into the public limelight. We're we're building that pedestal up for Banjo and Kazooie. We're going to put it on one of the most heavily oriented hardware consoles out there that is aimed directly at the family gamer. In other words, if you want to have a console in your house that has family oriented. Uh, titles to it and game characters you'll love nintendo switch is a way to go and now banjo kazooie is definitely running around on there and we're gonna put microsoft slightly into people's minds because he is technically a microsoft character and people do know this um and it's going to slowly kind of hopefully put microsoft in that position of like being able to kind of like poke at nintendo a bit a little bit and say hey how about um game pass because you know rare replay is in game pass and there's a lot of stuff in there and you know we could really help add to your ecosystem and the big thing i've always said about the banjo kazooie franchise is they just need to not give the but they need to loan that ip out to like playful games uh the guys who did super lucky's tale and just let them have fun Mm-hmm. Oh, well said. Well said, Centurion, on that. Uh, it's all about fun. And uh, yeah, I loved Rare Replay. Rare Replay is awesome. Nice collection there. Uh, I got to catch up with the Super Chats here because we just got flooded with them. Uh, Dominic Turo with the $5 Super Chat. Ask Crusader about Arbaz, the Indian war goddess. So, so <laughs> he has been trying to get me to... Uh, to say something uh that is one of my best friends i've known him for 10 plus years and arboz is another one of our very very good friends for 10 years so thanks for coming out tonight taro and arboz and i know a bunch of the other people were in chat too Th- thank you all for coming out tonight to to watch the watch the show with us mm-hmm. yeah thanks guys much appreciated i mean your viewership means a lot to us uh moving on over to atl with the 20 dollars super chat very generous buddy thank you very much chat not whack thanks for the show guys again very much appreciated you are too kind my friend atl you're always here uh king trash uh sorry king thrash gaming again with the five dollar super chat uh five dollar more for the homie tim dog lol uh he know what it is we all gamers well said, my friend. Well said. Uh, couldn't agree more, brother. Uh, Dirt Griggity, my... F- oh, you are too kind, buddy, with the $10 super chat. Chat is definitely not whack. Uh, King Thrash Gaming again with the $5 super chat. This $5 for me for lighting a four under the chat. I stand corrected. You do support good stuff. Hey, we got one of the best fan bases 
in the Xbox community, in the gaming community, period. And we all, we really appreciate your guys' support. Uh, Victor Alistein with the $5 super chat. In my opinion, get Sonic and have Moon Studios reboot or reimagine the game in an Ori format. Hmm, that'd be interesting, fellas. I mean, seeing uh, Moon Studios work on something Sonic related. I mean, I would love to see all their artwork, all the art with that kind of stuff. Uh, but we already know that they're kind of uh, working on something uh, a little different uh, from what we, we've been told. Uh, overall, though, um, honestly, like, you guys rock. Thank you so much for your support. Uh, very, very kind chat we have here. Uh, moving on, fellas, let's get into our last topic tonight. And as of right now, there's a very interesting emerging situation going on over at Marvel Studios which could have large implications in the gaming aspects of things. For example, Spider-Man was originally created long ago by Stan Lee and Steve Ditko in the comic space. Well, Ditko's estate filed a notice of termination, which, well, in term, it seems to revert stuff like old the old IP back to the family. This could get messy and could be, you know, kind of interesting down the line, down the road for PlayStation exclusive titles uh, from Marvel Studios, such as Spider-Man 2 and Wolverine. Centurion, I know you've been plugged into this whole situation, all the news there. Uh, what's your take, uh, and how could you see this all playing out with the implications into the gaming sphere? Um, well, the implicate it's going to probably, we'll just see when we get to the, what I'll say in the end. Um, the reason why this is all coming into play is copyright was invented in 1908, but obviously as time, time moved on and things became more convoluted and complicated because you know, the rise of comic books, television, music, all this other stuff between 1908, 19, I mean, excuse me, 1908, yeah, it was like 1908 and 1978. Um, they basically, the way it works is any works of art created before this act, copyright act of 1978, fall under the 1908 um, litigation of copyright, which is extremely vague and convoluted because let's face it, when they wrote that stuff, they never imagined the world we would live in today. And as a result of this, this has created a very serious situation where of who truly owns uh, these Marvel characters. Is it Marvel or is it the people who pin them out? Um, there's a huge argument on Marvel's side saying that, well, these were employees. I, I uh, talked about it earlier about when an employer pays someone to create a work of art, it belongs to the employer as long as it's at the expense of the employer. Um, they're trying to say, well, technically he was freelance and that he had to pay for pe pencils and paper and the homes that he would like draw stuff out in. And they basically were trying to kind of like rearrange who really owns the copyright on these characters. Now, let's not forget the lawyer that's in charge of this lawsuit has a background in doing this. He did this with DC characters, failed. Um, and he also did this, uh, I believe, with uh, Jack Kirby's estate uh, with a Marvel thing. Now, with Jack Kirby, on the other hand, Jack Kirby worked very closely with Stanley, and Jack Kirby basically 
they basic Marvel came out and proved in a court that Jack Kirby knew he was working for Marvel and selling these things to Marvel. So therefore Jack Kirby in no way could say that these were imagined characters because Stan Lee would tell him what to draw and what they were looking for and stuff like that. Um, as a matter of fact, Stan Lee alluded to, it was air quotation marks, the Marvel way of doing things. Um, and so therefore when it came to Jack Kirby's estate, um, they did try to do this to Marvel. Marvel actually back won in a court, and they were going to go to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court was considering it, but before it went to Supreme Court, Marvel settled with Jack Kirby's estate and basically gave him some money to basically just let it go. Now we're here. We are doing this once again. It's the same situation, but with a different individual and his heirs and estate. Um, and they're trying to prove the same thing because time is actually running out. Um, you're supposed to file these motions and what he's doing within like, I think it's like 60 years of the, the created materials. So time, that's why you see this June, 2023 date out a lot because after June, 2023, I believe the clock runs out on these copyright notices to be served on these characters. And they are pretty much locked into Disney. Um, Disney definitely does have a good, strong case. They could possibly pull it up, uh, um, get out of this and just have nothing happen to them. Or we could just see Disney either a give some money to somebody and it just goes away. They have a settlement out of court or in the end, if this person by some chance pulls an upset and actually does get copyright over these characters, let's face it. They are nothing more than characters on drawn paper. You can't do nothing with them. You're the guy I listened to already said, you're just going to sell them right back to Disney just under a license. And Disney's going to continue with the MCU. Like nothing happened. The end result is going to be the MCU is going nowhere. This is nothing more than a move for people to basically try to grab at money. That's in the Marvel universe. And so that's where it just comes down to how strong of a court case this person can prove. Can they prove these work of art, these works of art were created at their expense or at Marvel's expense? That's basically what it's coming down to. Mm -hmm. No, exactly. Again, it's it's very interesting this whole situation because again, you're dealing with all these old IP here, and you know it gets a little convoluted. Um, oh, yeah. And that's where they say the reason why the lawyer is trying to do this um, with the uh, state involved is because the, the the 1908 version of copyright is written so vaguely that it leaves it to open to interpretation to the judge involved. So this guy's got a 50 50 chance of this judge basically thinking, no, the, the, the actual artist who penned it out is the copyright holder or Marvel's the copyright holder. And Marvel has a lot of stuff to back up. Like I said, Stan Lee called it the Marvel way of doing things. To Because uh, Stan Lee and the artists that worked with him, they all had some amazing ideas. But the concept was, was to create as many comic books as possible. And that's where Stan Lee and the, the parties involved would hire these um, independent contractors or artists or even freelancers and these freelancers knew what they were getting themselves into. They, and the thing is, it wasn't like this person went and got a piece of paper up and drew up 
some uh, like thing out of his imagination. A lot of times Stan Lee and the others involved would kind of dictate out this is the this is the plot we're going for. This is kind of like what we're looking for. The artists would draw everything out and Stan Lee and then would come in and add the text and all that and basically script it out. Um, so a lot of these artists knew what they were getting themselves into and Marvel can prove this, but like if it turns out to be a long lengthy litigation process, that's extremely costly. They're just going to probably throw some money down on the table and basically say, Hey, you know, let's look at it like this. If you were to get the copyright on these characters for X amount of million dollars, look, we're just going to give you a fraction of that and say, here, here's some money because you don't really have a strong case, but we don't want to go through that. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, again, there's a lot of, there's a, a couple of different scenarios of how this could work out. Again, I'm not so much talking about, you know, the comic book side of things or whatnot. Like, again, just focusing on, like, I'm just wondering how this could play on the gaming sphere. Um, of course, See, Marvel and Sony have, like, a, a deal, right, for, like, certain right. IP. Right. Right. And that's where if by some chance this person gets the IP on, uh, let's just say Spider-Man at this point, it would become more expensive possibly for uh, Sony to con continue using the Spider-Man character along with Disney, which means if it becomes more expensive, you could see the frequency of these characters not being used as much and they would possibly move on to different characters and start writing them into the MCU characters that do not fall under this, that th they don't have to worry about this. Um, but I, from what I've seen, what I've read, everybody I've listened to pretty much goes that the MCU itself is not going anywhere. Disney is going to continue using these characters. Um, it just basically means that there would be a bigger bill at the end of the tunnel for using these characters if by some chance that this individual can do this. But um, I do listen to um, the channel. I think I've showed it to you called Hogue Law. Guy's an awesome individual. He is a practicing attorney in Michigan, and he really broke it down for like a half an hour how he really does believe that Marvel has a very strong case and that this is just nothing more than uh, somebody trying to possibly just kind of ruffle feathers and possibly just get some money. Um, there really is no end goal to move the, the MCU because the MCU is actually worth more now than it ever has been because of the entertainment industry. Mm -hmm. Now, what's so again? Oh, sorry. Was that you, Crusader? Yeah, one thing to add, I'm fairly certain based on the, the wording of the suit, it's not so much that the estate is looking to claim the sole ownership of the copyright. It's that they are filing for joint ownership, which is very important because that means that Marvel will still own the IP. They will, um, the estate will just have a say at, to some point as to how things can be licensed and uh, how much they should... Uh, get based on the portion of joint ownership. I'm not sure. I don't quite remember if it was a 50-50 joint ownership or exactly how the joint ownership broke down. So, it, No, I was just, when you talk about it, you're hitting it right, the joint ownership, because yeah. every time they... The real thing is every time they make a conversation, this idea of money always comes up and it makes me laugh. 
because yeah. they're over here like, well, back in the the 60s and the you know the 50s and 60s, these guys were selling pages of illustrated work for a couple bucks, and Disney and them are making millions and millions of dollars. They, they were not fairly compensated because they had no idea how large these franchises were going to get, and it's like, but they knew what they were getting themselves into. It's not like Marvel lied to them to get them to draw these pictures. Um, and ultimately, if if we're curious as to how this is truly going to affect the gaming industry, I I don't think it will to an extent. Mm-hmm. It's going to change how some contract, like let's say they do get the joint ownership. At most, it's going to change how some contracts are negotiated. Um, it, it could force more IPs into a more they have to be on more platforms because they want to make the same amount they were making before so they have to sell it more places but I don't even think that would be the case Uh, ultimately it it just means that money is going to be shuffled around a little differently I I, I don't I wouldn't expect this to change much of anything even if it was the the quote worst outcome for Disney which you know morally maybe these people are obligated to to get something legally you know that's a different story but i don't see this having as big of an impact as many people were fearing just because it's not like the it's not like disney would lose these licenses they they, they would just mm-hmm. have to negotiations just change cuz at the end of the day these the the estates that are trying to do this, they, I mean, we had people trying to do this with DC a few years back and they failed. And funny enough, it's the same lawyers representing the same sides as before. Um, and it, it the, 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 the estates want these things because they want their share of the revenue of the giant franchises. They're not going to get in the way of things getting licensed out. They're not going to get in the way of the movies happening. They just want a cut of it. So <laughs> I, I don't think this changes much of anything. Right, and basically, yeah, it wouldn't change the uh, gaming deals uh, yeah. set in place. The the only thing that, again, it might change is maybe that they'll want, uh, like, Disney might end up wanting it on more platforms just so that more money is made to make up what they're losing by having to give... Uh, you know, to give a portion of their proceeds, but even that, I, I don't, I don't think that would be the case with some of with some of these deals because Sony might just change what cut, you know, like th- their cut in order to keep the exclusivity. Like, like I, I think it's just going to change who gets what amount of money and how. Uh, it, it I, I don't, I don't think it. You'd see much of a difference in anything. Mm-hmm. Right, and again, it was you know Sony that you know, did you know, make these deals too. So again, yeah. they, they, you know, it's just one of those things where, you know, they are bound by certain contracts, of course. And, yep. you know, you have to respect that, obviously. But just, you know, you bring that up, right? You hear all this different thing about IP and then the uh, di- uh, the Ditko, like, family uh, yep. talking to Disney about this stuff. So it, it does raise certain questions about, like, ooh, okay, well, in the future, could we see certain, again, these IP, whether it be, I don't know, again, Iron Man, Spider-Man, of course, Wolverine is another one. Uh, could they make their way to, you know, Xbox platforms, or heck, even, like, Switch and whatnot, right? But, again, like, these are specialized deals that get worked out. But go ahead, Crusader. The other thing you might see is you might see more deals form in general, because there because there are now more uh factors into the the management of the ip you might see the let's say ditka estate 
wanting to license out a game to another party. Now, Disney would then also be have to get involved because they are a co-owner of the IP, but you might see more deals form than less because there are now more parties interested in just getting that IP out there and making money from it. That That's another possibility. I, I don't think you would see a change in like Insomniac's Wolverine going more places, but maybe another... Maybe an X-Men game, the Ditka Estate, or like what? The Ditka Estate owns Doctor Strange, right? I think that's mm -hmm. one of the one of the IPs. Correct me if I'm wrong. Is anyone here now? I believe so. Doctor Strange, um, Iron Man, yeah. and maybe so, Falcon. Mm. So maybe Ditka, the Ditka Estate wants Doctor Strange, a Doctor Strange game made, for for example, because they, they want to make money off it. Well, maybe that opens a new tier of... of uh, negotiations that Disney wouldn't have initiated, but now Disney's a part of because they're co-owners. Um, so you never know that this, this could ultimately mean even more things are just coming to market because more people are now initi initiating negotiations to, to use these IPs. So who knows, you know? Mm -hmm. Right. And no, that's a fair statement uh, by far. Uh, does anyone else have anything to add to this? Uh, yeah, I think this is just much ado about nothing. I think no matter what happens, the gaming landscape will still be the same. Worst case scenario, certain deals will just be a little more expensive and the revenue might be, yeah. I, I think people like to speculate the worst case scenario sometimes, but uh, in the end, I don't see anything happening. No, no, not with this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I just, again, this whole discussion, it just kind of, uh, I saw a lot of chatter on it and like, you know, how this would relate to the, the gaming aspects of things. So just, again, a very curious topic, but I thought it was pretty well covered by Centurion and Crusader here. Um, all right, guys, I think at this point we'll start to call it a night. Uh, we ended up getting through a lot of stuff, including our thoughts on Halo Infinite, the second test flight, uh, the situation with Perfect Dark and Crystal Dynamics, uh, the latest Nintendo Direct, and more. I gotta say, great crowd tonight. I mean, we always do each Sunday. Uh, oh, and I just noticed uh, another super chat from Vic the Click. Oh, buddy, $5 super chat. Thank you. You are too kind. He says, I made it. Well, another amazing podcast that now I'm subscribed. I'm going to save this episode for later. Buddy, thank you very much. We really do appreciate it here. Um, you know, again, love seeing you all here. Every single one of you. Uh, you guys were very active tonight. You guys you guys freaking rock. Uh, if you guys enjoyed the, the banter, the chat tonight, then consider dropping a like, subbing to the channel, and even sharing this out across various uh, social media. Again, can't say this enough. You guys kick some serious ass. And with that out of the way, let's go over to the outros, and I'll kick this off with our guest tonight, Crusader. Buddy, thank you for coming on. It was fun having a chat with you, uh, very knowledgeable on a variety of subjects. Where can all of our listeners follow you at? So you, the main place to follow me at is Twitter, um, at Crusader3456. Um, and from there, I have... You know, if you want to add me on respective gaming platform, I have everything in my Twitter bio. All right. All right. Very good stuff. Uh, yeah. Thanks for coming on, pal. And uh, moving on over to TXR crew with Tim Dog. Buddy, great stuff tonight. Where can everybody follow you at? 
Follow me on Twitter, XCloudTimDog. A great show tonight. Crusader, great job. You really uh, fit well with the podcast. Very insightful uh, and educated. Um, Thank you. <clears throat> been busy playing uh, Been playing some XCloud. Haven't been playing that much. Been working a lot, but uh, still playing 12 minutes. Still can't get past certain parts, but still enjoying it. Psychonauts and... Still playing that, uh, play that uh, on the OLED. I'm not playing that on xCloud. And um, Hades, a uh, very good game as well. Been enjoying that a lot uh, on the xCloud. Because I've been, like I said, I've been working, so I've been mobile and staying at my mom's, that type of stuff, because I have a, lot, a long travel. But uh, great show tonight. See you next week. Well said, Timmy. Well said. Uh, General MLD, my friend, again, very, very good show. Where can everybody follow you at, bud? Uh, thank you, thank you. Uh, at MLD Ghost is my Twitter. General MLD is my YouTube channel. Um, really good show today. A lot of a lot of very interesting opinions, especially Crusader. Very, very well informed. Uh, let's see. Right now, I'll come out the Halo Infinite beta. Uh, I'm, I just played Beat Cyclones 2. Great game. Playing Saints Row 2. Because, you know, Saints Row, uh, you know, the new game coming out, thought I'd do that. Aged very well. But overall, just, uh, yeah, looking forward to next week. It should be interesting. Mm-hmm. You got that right, my friend. Uh, moving over to Centurion, buddy. Uh, love the legal talk, like all that jargon. <laughs> uh, where can everybody follow you at, bud? <clears throat> well, uh, it was a great show tonight, everybody. Thank you to the guests for... Uh, you know, coming and hanging out. Definitely had some great talk during the show and pre-show. It was great to meet you. For those in the chat, thank you for coming. If you're interested in finding me, please find me at Centurion1307, Twitter, Xbox Live, and, of course, YouTube. You can also find me every Saturday night on the t on the Shop Podcast, and you'll find me right here on every Sunday night on the TXR Podcast. And I forgot—oh, my God, I'm getting them all jumbled up now, Invader. That's all right, buddy. You did a lot of talking tonight, and uh, again, some very good points. And moving on over to Eric Shockley. Buddy, again, good stuff tonight like everybody else. Where can everybody uh, follow you at, my friend? Yeah, as always, you can find me at ShockNero on Twitter, EasyShock on Xbox Live. Uh, but yeah, just been playing a lot of uh, Tales of Arise, getting into more of the combat. It's pretty sick with some of the combos you can especially uh, if you played something like the Final Fantasy VII Remake. Um, but yeah, the combat um, is pretty sick so far. I'm excited to get into deeper into the uh, skill tree and the other characters that you can add to your party. So definitely check that one out if you hadn't already. But uh, yeah, good show tonight. And thanks for stopping by. Mm-hmm. And finally, to cap things off, I'm Invader, and you guys can follow my content over on YouTube at Invader Gaming. Also active on Twitter at Invader underscore 1986. Great times were had tonight, and we're already looking forward to next Sunday's show. Later, everyone.